Okay, we are live. Hello, this is in conversations with Hana. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Let us know where you're listening from, where you're um, hearing us from, what day, what time of day it is. This is again in conversations with Hana. I'm Hana Weisberg. I'm the editor of thejewishwoman.org. And today's conversation is with Basia Edelstein. And Basia is going to tell us about her life's journey, which is really an incredible, incredible and fascinating journey. So this is again in conversations with Hannah. I'm Hannah Weisberg. I'm editor of thejewishwoman.org. And I'm joined today by an incredible guest, Basia Edelstein. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share my story. Thank you. Okay, so let's, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Um, I actually grew up in a very rural town in the middle of Utah, maybe about 40 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Um, I grew up as a Mormon, and uh, even though I didn't pursue that for too long and eventually made my way to Judaism, um, I was able to complete a conversion just before Passover of last year, 2021. Now I am happily married to an amazing man, and we live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, in my spare time, I'm an artist, I love writing, and I am very pleased to work for Lubavitch of Wisconsin. Wow, that's an amazing journey. Okay, so tell us, first of all, what was life like growing up as a Mormon? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting, actually. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a bad thing at all, um, but basically it was very strict in a lot of ways. Um, we had a strict guidelines of how we needed to live our lives. Um, and also there was, every part of my life was touched by it. Um, it was back in the eighties and nineties where there wasn't a whole lot of separation between church and state. Mm -hmm. And where I lived, probably about 95% of the people were Mormon. So, you know, all my classmates were the same religion, my teachers. It was something we are constantly always in church and all our activities were based upon it. So it really, everything was per permeated by the Mormon religion. And there's a couple of things that people may not know about it. Um, they really believe that theirs is the, the true religion and that they feel very strongly that if you follow that religion, then you have the opportunity to go to the highest level of heaven. And, uh, you know, they, they think they're really on a mission to make sure that they can save as many people's souls as possible so that everybody can get to that highest point. And so missionary work and proselytizing was really the cornerstone of the whole religion. And so growing up, it was something that it wasn't a question of, if you're going to go on a mission, it was more like when. And right. typically, wow. it was uh, between the ages of 18 and 19, you were expected to leave your home and your family for two years, go off on a mission, someplace, some foreign place in the world, and, and teach and bring as many people as you possibly could. Did you have people guiding you when you when you went to these yeah. places? Um, yeah, they would have people, leaders that would help you out. But I mean, these are just teenage kids going out into the world. So in order to prepare us for that, um, it was years and years of study. I mean, all throughout junior high and high school, there were seminary classes, there were Sunday school classes, camps, 
Bible study. I mean, we were extremely well-versed in scripture and doctrine because we were really expected that we were to go out and save as many people as possible. And, and that's really how I grew up is just. Wow. Wow. So what's, what sparked your interest in Judaism? At what point did you get interested in Judaism and what, what, where, where did that come in? It was interesting. Um, When I was about eight years old, um, my grandparents had a really large library in their house, and I found a set of books on all the major religions of the world. And I I found the one on Judaism, and I don't know what it was, but as soon as I opened it up, I said, wow, this is so amazing. I had never met a Jewish person. I didn't know anything about it, but I just remember this like spark, this feeling of like familiarity and it was interesting to me and obviously i wasn't really reading this book because i was just a kid but i'm flipping through the pages and i'm seeing the people and the traditions and i remember seeing the hebrew writing there was something that like electrified my soul like i just i loved it and so i remember running to my parents and say oh my gosh i want to be jewish and you know of course they're like yeah right get out of here like what was what was their reaction i mean I think they were shocked. Like, where did you learn about this? What, what, you know, and they, they just explained, no, that's not, that's not our thing. That's an old thing. You know, they kind of look like, no, we're the ones that have the truth and the right stuff, you know? So, okay, put that book aside. It's, it's a fun cultural thing, but no, you can't be Jewish. So I, I I didn't. It sounds like it was some kind of soul connection because you were eight years old. It wasn't like you intellectually understood anything. It was just, something that was just attracting you. Yeah, definitely. And um, so obviously I kind of put it in the back of my mind, didn't think about it for several years. Um, but every every couple years, like starting from when I was a teen teenager, um, just something that would happen to really remind me of that, that spark. And it was something that I really realized I, I want this in my life. And so, yeah, it's, it's just always been there, so. <laughs> Wow. So you always had this kind of love for Judaism. Yeah. Um, but growing up in Utah, where in Utah were you again? It was called American Fork. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with Brigham Young University. It's a very kind of well-known Mormon university. I lived really close to there. So uh-huh. yeah. I just know my cousins live in Salt Lake City, the Shluchim yeah. in Utah. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's so, about 40 minutes south of there. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was probably not many Jewish people around you or any Jewish people. Any. Any? Yeah, okay. I would say like 95% of the people were were Mormon where I lived. And mm-hmm. so, and then the other people that weren't were just other sects of Christianity. So, so yeah. what happened then? Like, how did you get to, how did you get from that point to actual conversion? Um, I think part of it was, because we were learning so much and studying the scriptures so much, all of a sudden I started realizing, wait a minute, there's some contradictions here. And it didn't really make sense to me. So I I would go to my family and church leaders and ask these questions really sincerely. And they would just say, oh, you don't have enough faith. You need to pray about it or this or that. You know, they never had an answer for me. And even if they had an answer, it would always be from their books. You know, it would be either from the New Testament or the Book of Mormon. And I was thinking, boy, this just really doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So um, 
that's kind of what started it is just realizing that it didn't make sense. And also I hated the feeling of, I was really sincere about my questions. I wasn't doing it in a flippant way or a rebellious way. I just really wanted to clarify some of these things that were in my mind. And I was always made to feel very guilty about it or that I was the problem, that there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that didn't sit well with me that I thought this doesn't feel right. So with that in the back of my mind, I left the religion um, when I was 18. I just thought there's too much that doesn't make sense. It doesn't resonate with me. So and you didn't go on one of the missions. You, no, you, no. <laughs> luckily, profession. Okay. But luckily, I didn't do that because I just thought I have to leave because I knew that was coming if if I didn't get out then. So, yeah. So, I, so what did leaving entail? What did that mean that you left? Um, at first, I tried to just leave the religion and say I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not participating anymore. Um, but because they believed that they were saving my soul and everyone, there's so much peer pressure that's involved with it. It's your family, it's your friends, it's coworkers and teachers. And I found that even moving out of my parents' home and not going to church, it still wasn't enough. It wasn't far enough. So I ended up moving out of state and just trying to, you know, live my own life. But it, it took a long time because I was very close with my family and they were extremely upset about me leaving. So even though I wanted to pursue Judaism at that point, I knew, you know, I would lose my family forever. So, sure. yeah. Sure. For sure. So what happened next? How did you get to, <laughs> to learning about Judaism? So really it just evolved over time where enough time had passed since I left and I was really excited about trying. This was maybe when I was, I don't know, 24, 25. I said, you know what, I'm doing this. And I, I reached out to different rabbis. And at the time, I didn't realize that Jewish law says that you are supposed to discourage a person who's asking to convert three times. So either by saying no or by saying, oh, don't worry, you should just be a Noahide, you know, and just live a good life. You'll still have a place in heaven. And that wasn't good enough for me, but I thought they just kept saying no. Every mm. single one, I would go around to all these different rabbis. Um, it's it's interesting because Judaism is so different than Mormon in, in terms yeah. of like, we don't believe that you have to be Jewish in order to be saved. You know, we believe that you can live a very righteous life just keeping the seven mitzvot, b'nai noach, the seven noachide laws. So we're not encouraging people, and probably the rabbis were not. We're saying you don't need to be Jewish in order to get to the afterlife or to live a very fulfilling, meaningful life. Exactly. Wow. So yeah. they discourage you. I'm sure that was very discouraging, though, at the time. It was so hard because it's like I just wanted it so badly. It was something deep inside me. Even if I couldn't explain, I just knew I wanted it. And when they were saying no and I would go to the next to the next, I just thought, okay, I guess this isn't going to happen for me. And that was such a hard time for me not being able to go through that. So I put that journey on hold for quite some time, which made my family really happy. They were, they were not happy about me wanting to convert. Um, but years later, it was about 2019, I would say. Actually, let me go back real quickly. Um kind of towards my later 20s, I had an opportunity actually to go and uh, see the Dalai Lama speak. 
So this was after I had gone to, you know, all these rabbis. I was not interested in Buddhism at all. I wasn't interested in any other religion besides Judaism, but I thought it would be a really cool cultural experience to go and see him speak. And I remember um, after he gave a speech and he opened up the floor to a lot of different questions, um, there was this one man that came up and he said, I'm really excited about Buddhism. This is so cool. I'm really into it. I'm this Jewish guy, but I don't want anything to do with that. And he says, but I I need to learn more. I want to really connect with this. So can you give me a mantra that'll help me to connect to Buddhism? And I remember the Dalai Lama just stopped and he thought for a second. He said, this is not for you. He said, you have a mantra. It's Shema Yisrael. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And he said, you need to go back to your roots. You need to go back to your people. And, you know, and he just kind of went along those lines. And it hit me to the core because here I'm listening to this you know, one of the most, you know, or, or supposedly one of the most enlightened men on the planet. And he recognizes the value of a Jew being Jewish and telling this person, hey, and it really just was such a stark contrast from where I had come, where we were trying to get everybody we could and so many converts and for this person to be saying, like, he had this guy, you know, he, he could have easily just, oh, do this, do that. But to tell him that Judaism is the most important thing for a Jew, that was really the thing that that propelled me to say, yeah, at some point I want to do this. I need to do this. So so were you studying Judaism? Like what what attracted you really about Judaism? What was what was something? Was it just the soul tugging or was there something that actually like inspired you in Judaism? Um, there were, yeah, that was definitely always the the main anchor to it. But the more I learned, I just felt like it was truth. Um, it, it was something that, you know, when when Hashem gave the Torah to so many people, and it was out in the open, it wasn't hidden, and you know, it, it's it's something that like there were so many witnesses to all these miraculous events. Whereas a lot of other religions, it's all kind of hidden away and maybe only one or two people know about it. And I, that was something that I just recognized the truth within it that was so special to me. Um, but I think the thing that really I love about Judaism is the opportunity that we have every day to just connect with Hashem. That was something that was very important to me. Um, and that every single action throughout the day was a way to connect in some sort of way, to be mindful, to be grateful. And that, that lifestyle really appealed to me. And Did also about all the mitzvot or is that, yeah. is that what you're, you right. it was, and it was all the mitzvot that really attracted you, all the do's and the don'ts. I mean, that people say, are you crazy? Why would you want to do this? And I, I look at it as like, are you kidding? That's like that many more opportunities wow. to elevate yourself and, and, you know, I know what it feels like to live without religion and to be further away from Hashem. And but you had religion. I mean, I would imagine that God was so much a part of your life. Oh, yeah, but yeah. It, it wasn't the truth. And that was where the disconnect was because they were saying, okay, well, here's, you know, God's a part of it, but then there's this other guy that he's also kind of a God and he's, you know, and it just didn't sit well with me and I didn't find it to be true and it was something that like I couldn't make that fit. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard for me because 
I wanted the structure. I wanted, you know, that framework to live my life by, but at the same time, I, I couldn't live something that wasn't true. But mm -hmm. Judaism felt really true to me. Wow. So, yeah. so you went to these rabbis and a lot of them were just, they were discouraging you. Right. <laughs> so what, how did you take that or what happened after that? Yeah. I mean, obviously it was devastating, but I've come to learn now that everything happens in God's time, not in mine. Mm -hmm. And that the moment I actually did come to Judaism was the perfect time, you know, probably most importantly, so that I could meet my incredible husband. Um, but also just because this is where I'm supposed to be in life right now. It, it wasn't right 10 years ago, let's say. Mm -hmm. So all these years later, I would say it was about beginning of 2019, my grandparents had passed away. My father had just passed away from a, a long battle of cancer. And I was in a really introspective spot of my life where I was thinking, what do I want out of life? What, you know, what, what is there to this? What's my purpose? I really wanted a deeper connection. So I remembered how much I loved Judaism. And I said, you know what? I can't live one more year without this. I have to do this. So I, I just how long, said, how long ago was this? So this is 2019, I would say just January of, of 2019. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do that. This is the year I'm going to do it. And so I started learning and, you know, trying to figure everything out. But unfortunately, it's not so easy when you're living in Utah. <laughs> I've been back to the States since then. And there's no rabbis. The closest Orthodox cities um, or communities were two and five hours away Um and I was thinking, how am I going to do this? But I was determined. So I sent out letters, emails, phone calls, different rabbis, trying to figure out what I could do and just started reading everything I possibly could. And nothing was happening <laughs> for a couple months. And I was thinking, oh, what a letdown. You know, I finally made up my mind. I'm doing this. And it was going nowhere. And that thought also was very devastating. So one night. Yeah, it was it was so, so sad for me. And I, I just really wanted it. So I remember laying in bed one night and just thinking, oh, my gosh, there's got to be a way that I can do this. So the only thing I knew to do was just to start praying, because that was something that I always knew worked. And I just started speaking to Hashem and just saying, I want this so badly. Please give me hope that there's a possibility to make this happen. And I just remember I was sobbing and just crying and crying. And it was just brokenhearted, like you wouldn't believe. But I thought, there's got to be a way. So I just over and over and over said, Hashem, please give me hope. Give me hope. Give me hope. Until I tired myself out and went to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up and there was an in, uh, a message in my inbox, my Instagram, from a young uh, observant woman from Brooklyn and her name is Tikva and she she just kind of reached out and said hello and to this day we're still not 100% sure what prompted the initial contact um, the only thing we could think of is we're both artists so you know something must have prompted her um, but she just said hello and we started talking. I just talking. want to stop you for a second because Tikva means hope yes. for those who are listening that's incredible that you prayed for hope, and then this hope yeah. arrived in your inbox the next the next day. I, mean, I, I didn't know that at the time. It took me a couple months before I figured that out. But 
I mean, when that realization came, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it, it was so powerful to think we have the opportunity to speak to Hashem and he answers us in, in so many different ways. Sometimes we don't always see it, but sometimes we do. And in, in that instance, I was so blessed to just have that real answer to prayer. And she was so kind to me. So I told did she, how did she help you? How did Tikva yeah. give you hope? Well, she was just so friendly. She said, do you want to start learning? And I thought, oh my gosh, like never even known a Jewish person, basically, or at least one that was observant. So I said, oh my gosh, what an opportunity. Yes. So we started learning together. And over the next couple months, we just had a lot of great uh, conversations and opportunities to discuss different things. And it was amazing. Like I was just so happy. But that didn't necessarily get me further along in my process. It was great to have a learning partner, sure. but um, in order to go through a conversion, you need to have a sponsoring rabbi. So someone that'll kind of vouch for you, you have to have a mentor. And even though she was helping me learn, they're really looking for like, you know, a Rebetzin who's mm -hmm. teaching you all, all the, the different laws and things that you'll need to do. And then you also need to get signed up with a based in, which is a Jewish court system. And so is, and obviously you have to be living in an Orthodox community. Really? And you were still, and you were in Utah at that time. Still in Utah. So even though I had her to learn with, I was no closer to, you know, my conversion process. And so now this is a couple months into it. And actually it was, really right around Gimel Tammuz, which is the yard site of the Rebbe. And um, this, this coming yeah. Shabbat, yeah. Right. So it's, this is all kind of coming up for me, yeah. like his anniversaries. Um, and I remember seeing someone post something online saying that you could write a letter to the Rebbe and ask for a bracha, a blessing. And I thought, wow, that, that sounds like something I really need right now. And I didn't know if it was a appropriate for me to do as a, as a non-Jewish person. But I said, I'm, I need some help and I need Hashem to help me. So I said, let's just try this out. <laughs> so I didn't know that on Chabad.org, you could write these letters and have them sent electronically. So I wrote this letter out. I stuck it in the mail a couple of days before Gimel Commons and, and I just waited. So right around the time when that letter would have arrived in New York, I was learning with Tikva and she, she said out of the blue, like, where was it that you were thinking of moving to? And, and I, I told her the city I was thinking, and she said, oh my gosh, like seven years ago, I went to summer camp with a girl whose father is on the base din there in that city. And I thought, what? Oh, like, what are the odds? What are the, you know? And she said, let me, let me reach out to them and see if they can maybe help. So wow, she, she emailed the girl and the girl got in touch with her father. And, and the next day I get this phone call from this rabbi and he says, I have no idea why I'm calling you. My, my daughter just told me to give you a call. Like, what can I do for you? Hmm. So I explained my situation and he says, well, I can't help you, you know, per se with the actual conversion. But he said, you know, let, let's see what we can do to kind of get you moving on this. Um, he had since moved to the suburbs of Chicago and him and his wife suggested that I, I try 
coming out there to see if I liked the community. They thought it would be a really good fit for me. And so I, I went out and did it. And it was it was really amazing because even though I didn't get the exact answer to my prayer, um, when I wrote into the Rebbe, I had asked for a, a rabbi, uh, a mentor, and a city to move to. And here this rabbi called me. He suggested that I get hooked up with a mentor from Partners in Torah. And then he also suggested Chicago, which is ultimately where I ended up. So it was an answer to prayer, not exactly the way I imagined it. Why wasn't it exactly how you imagined it? It sounds like it was exactly. <laughs> well, nope. I, it's, it's still, I needed the sponsoring rabbi. I couldn't, yeah, so he couldn't, but it just was nice to have Amazing. some sort of rabbi that was actually willing to help me. So, right. um, wow. yeah, so it was so such a <laughs> Amazing. What an incredible story. Wow. Thank you. So you so you moved to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then what happened after that? So I was just so excited. I thought this is it. Everything's gonna happen. And this was November 2019. So, you know, 11 months after I had decided that I wanted to get started. Um, I had been learning the entire time, studying as much as I could on my own. And um, it was very difficult for me to actually get to Chicago. It was a 36-hour car ride through wow. blizzards. And, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I, had, uh, I got stuck in a blizzard in the Rockies of Colorado. The next night, I had a fire in my hotel room. The next day, the, the Platte River was flooded. I mean, it was one thing after another, but I finally made it. So excited. And... It took me two it sounds months. like you had like the 10 tests that, that Abraham had, right? Though actually it was amazing. The week that I ended up moving there was Parsha Lech Lecha, oh, which yeah. is go, you know, whereas where Hashem said, you know, go, you have to leave your people in your land. And, you know, and so that was like kind of, I don't know, a really special thing for me. But um, I thought, great, everything's going to be perfect now. But it took me two months to find a job. And um, it was very difficult to get set up. And then the pandemic hit. Oh, <laughs> and all the shuls closed down. Nobody was willing to have guests for, at their house for Shabbos. And I was thinking, how am I going to learn how to be Jewish if I'm not around people? And sure. it was a really difficult time. I had called every rabbi in town, it felt like, and none of them could help me. I asked each one, I felt like three times, <laughs> but they just couldn't, you know, they had a lot going on. It was a very difficult time, you know, in our nation um, and particularly in that community. So I just kept learning and doing everything I possibly could on my own. And um, I would say maybe around August time frame, finally a, a rabbi agreed to sponsor me and help me through the process. I did end up getting some amazing mentors, some incredible Rebbitsons that helped me through the process. And I did make some really excellent friends. And so then right before Passover 2021, I was successfully able to complete my conversion and go to the mikvah. And it, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. So, wow. Yeah. And how did, you, how did you feel after all that? so relieved. I uh, can't even tell you. It was so interesting. My whole life, I felt like there was something missing, like this sort of sadness that was inside of me. I didn't feel whole or like myself. And all of a sudden, 
you know, the moment I came out of that mikvah, I just felt like this burden had been lifted off of me. And I felt like, finally, <laughs> like yeah. I could relax, I could breathe. And, and I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I knew that it would take a lot of hard work. And, you know, now I was actually responsible for keeping all the mitzvot, but I just, I knew that it was the right decision for me. I knew it was the right timing for me and I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm so, so happy. So, and you chose the name Basia. Yes, I did. <laughs> Why? Why the name Basia? <laughs> Actually, three different reasons. Um, so I got the name. It's kind of a take off of the Pharaoh's daughter. Um, I, I think she's called Batia or Bithia. There's a couple different versions. Um, I just was so impressed with her because here she's living in probably one of the most oppressive homes and communities where it's, you know, the Pharaoh's way or the highway type of deal. And she had enough courage to say, no, I, I want to live a different way and I want to do things different. And I, I had discovered that she was a convert herself. Mm. And so I thought, wow, I, I could really relate to the story of having to have that kind of courage to stand up against your, you know, your family, your friends, your community and say that you wanted Judaism instead. I just want to interrupt that the measure says that she was a, she was she went down to the to the river in order to to convert in order to dip into the mikvah right that's what you mean she was a convert yeah I was like I never knew that growing up so I, yeah. I thought that was fascinating um, the second thing is that Basia means you know daughter of Hashem daughter of God and I knew that you know I had left my religion my childhood religion when I was eighteen. And I didn't come to Judaism until I was about 40 years old. So there was decades where I, I felt really alone. But at the same time, I wasn't alone because I always tried to keep some little connection with Hashem. I, I kept praying, even though I didn't have religion or anything like that. So I always felt like I was, you know, God's God. God right. Yeah. So I love that. And then the third reason is the more I learned about Basia is... When, you know, growing up, I always had this idea that, oh, Moses was just in this little basket, like, you know, a couple inches off the shore and was so easy. But what I learned is that he was actually quite, quite a distance away and kind of tucked back in a place that was not so easy to just grab him. And what I loved about her and, and her story is that she, she didn't even think of that. She just reached out her hand and just had so much faith that she would be able to pull him in that Hashem saw that and kind of extended her arm just a little and, and made, filled in the gap, I guess you could say. And I, I feel like that's really been kind of kind a of like your, Kind yeah. of like your story, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like, you know, for whatever reason, Hashem has really blessed me that if I put my full effort in, I did my hishtad list, you know, I put my effort that he would in turn just kind of take it up a notch and fill in the gaps for me. And so that was something that I really resonated with. So that's hmm. how I came up with that. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you. How, how was your relationship with your family? How did they take your conversion? Baruch Hashem, everything is excellent now. Um, I, I had, you know, told them time and time again over the years that I'd wanted to do it. And every time I brought it up, be fighting and arguments and and so much strain and pressure 
And when I finally did go ahead and tell my mother, you know, in, in 2019, it was like a whole turnaround, you know, 180 degree. She said, you've been talking about this your whole life. Go for it. I support you. And, you know, my sister's supportive, my aunts and uncles, and it's, it's been really, really nice. (laughs) And how did you feel? Did you feel accepted in the community, in the Jewish community when you, after you converted, what was your experience like? Yeah. You know, I know some people don't always feel like they fit in quite well. I do think my experience was really extraordinary where I just met the right people at the right time. Hashem really helped me to make good connections. Um, But I think people really could see that I was sincere and, that I wanted this, that I wasn't just, you know, I wasn't some kid, you know, by this time mm-hmm. I'm nearly 40 years old and and they could see, okay, you really want this. Like, <laughs> and I think because of that, they, they really took me in and, and accepted me. I've, I've never felt like an outsider or anything like that. So I'm, I'm really blessed in that way. I do feel Incredible. like. Wow. You know, sometimes when we work for towards a goal, and it takes so long and we're putting in so much energy and effort, you know, and we visualize what will it will be like once we have that goal. And sometimes we feel let down afterwards, but it doesn't sound with you like you feel like what, what is it like every day? How do you find your inspiration to continue on? on you know, path? I think the heart of it, like I mentioned before, is that I believe it's the truth mm-hmm. and you can't deny when something's the truth, it, that doesn't mean it's easy. You know, I'm a human being just like everyone else. Like I have my good days and my bad, but you know, when something is real and tangible and true, it's it's the thing that keeps you going. It keeps you centered. And I, I do just feel like I see so many opportunities to have a more meaningful life and, and to find that purpose that I've been looking for for so long that that's kind of what keeps me motivated. So like I said, you know, <laughs> you know, we all have our good days and our bad, yes. but for the most part, um, I, I just know that this is a hundred percent the right path for me. Um, again, if I had maybe tried this when I was a teenager or, or younger, um, you know, maybe it wasn't the right time, but I think at this point in time, there's just no doubt in my mind that it's a hundred percent the right thing. So, wow. Is there any mitzvah that you especially enjoy or you favor? Uh, there's a few, but I would have to say chesed. I, I love to help people. Um, I I feel extremely fortunate. Like I said, I, I work for Lubavitch of Wisconsin, and we have so many amazing Chabad programs that are being run out of this community. And I feel really, really blessed that I have the opportunity to kind of assist people who are you know, doing fundraising and, and doing projects for that. So I would say that's one of my favorite things to do, but also, um, I love- you seem like a very chesed person. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just I love it. That aura. And I, I feel like also I, I am just a big believer in praying, you know, having that connection, you know, with Hashem and just, having a really thankful, positive attitude. So I don't know. Those are kind of some of the things that I like. That's beautiful. Well, I guess that connection is what kept you all those years. Right. Wow. Incredible. Wow. Basia, you have an incredible story. Have you ever been back to the oil to the Rebbe of the Rebbe since then? 
No. Um, I mean, yes, I, I've actually only been once and that was for my engagement. That was yeah. August 3rd of, of last year. So I'm yeah. coming up on my, you know, on our one year anniversary and Baruch Hashem, I'm so happy about that. But I would love to go back. Um, I do write in when I can and I, I just really hope that I can keep learning. I feel like I would not be here where I am today without Chabad and, and for the amazing tools that are found on, on this website and, you know, the articles and, and teaching you how to really live a Jewish life. It's, it's a real blessing. Well, that, that was also something I was just going to remark. You, 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 you talk even, you're even saying the Hebrew words, you sound so knowledgeable. It sounds like you really learned a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, where I was in isolation for so many months, I was working from home Everything was closed, um, particularly in Chicago. You know, they, they really kept things closed for a very long time. So my only option really was to just teach myself um, by you have to make that effort. So I used sites like Bad.org and other similar things like that. And I just tried to take as many classes as I could, as many opportunities. I, I got maybe, um, I don't know, eight or nine Chavrusas, like learning partners. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Like every night, I just treated it like a job, you know, kind of, but a fun job. <laughs> right. wow. yeah. What, any aspirations or goals for your future? Where do you see yourself in the future? I'm a bit of a dreamer. I have so many things that I want to accomplish. Um, but I had mentioned I'm, I'm really in, into art. So I'm hoping that I can continue to improve my painting and, you know, God willing, one day do something with that. But um, the thing that I'm really enjoying right now is I love writing. Um, I recently just had an article published in in uh, Hamadia um, magazine and God willing something in uh, in the works for, <laughs> I don't know if I can say it or not, but. Sure, absolutely. For Chabad.org, yeah. yes, absolutely. And we're looking yeah. forward to more. Absolutely. Your story is incredible. I mean, that's how I originally met you was through your incredible story that you sent me. And I found it so fascinating that I wanted to meet with you. Yeah, so, thank you. Thank you. So any welcome. any lasting message or lasting um, words that you want to give to the Jewish people or to potential converts or any sure. message that you'd like to tell us? Sure. Um, kind of the theme of what I've talked about today is, you know, when you really want something, don't give up hope. Um you know, sometimes it seems impossible, but where there's a will, there's a way. And Hashem, he sees your desires and he sees what you need. And if, if we are just faithful and keep going, he will definitely help us in, in the things that we need. But I think it doesn't matter where we're at along the journey, you know, whether we're not Jewish yet or Balchuva or from, from birth or anywhere on the spectrum, I think the most important thing we can do is just building that connection with Hashem through prayer. And I know some people aren't as comfortable with that as others. Um, some people say it's a little strange to just say things into the air. You know, it's, it's not comfortable for everyone, but we really get in the habit of just having conversations with God and, and really trying to build that connection. You will see his hand in everything, and and it's so powerful, and it's so beautiful, and can be such a comfort. So, yeah, just never give up hope and keep praying. <laughs> so. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. 
welcome. And we're looking for lots and lots more stories from you in your life. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It really means a lot. Yeah. You're incredible in your journey. And I just want to wish you tremendous luck and, and, and God's hand helping you and guiding you in all that you do as Thank he you. has until now. This is an incredible story of resilience and, and faith and just really getting to the goal that you wanted to get. And it's an incredible message. May you live up to your namesake, Basia. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you everyone for joining us. This is with um, In Conversations with Hana. Our conversation today was with Batia Edelstein, who had a tremendous um, journey and an incredible story that is definitely inspiring to me and I'm sure many, many others. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you.